Hey guys, welcome back to Simply Put. I, I'm so excited to hang out with you guys today. I'm always excited, but it has just been a crazy few weeks. And so it feels good to dive into God's word with you guys. Talk about Romans chapter three, talk about God's faithfulness and all that he is doing despite our lack of understanding sometimes. So with all that being said, we're just going to go ahead and dive in. Let's do this. Simply Put, a podcast that has been brought to life with you in mind. Whether you consider yourself an all-in Christian or have never been introduced to the freedom found in God, this podcast is for you. While the Bible might seem complicated, God's message is rather simple. Every week, you can expect Brit to take God's Word and break it down into something we can all better understand. Now here's your host, Brit. Okay, so today we are going to be picking up in Romans chapter three, but that's not where we're going to stay. So we are going to kind of look at the parallels between Romans chapter three and what's happening in the story of Moses in Numbers chapter 20 verses one through 11 specifically. So Romans chapter three, verse three says this, what if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? So today I want to talk about this simple idea, and I want to look at the story of Moses to kind of dive into this topic a little bit deeper. But this idea, does our obedience or disobedience nullify, qualify, release God's favor or God's faithfulness on our lives? And I think this is a question that a lot of us wonder sometimes, and Honestly, it's just such a hard thing to wrestle with because religion is so much based about the works you do on earth and you have to be a good person and do this. Our minds are almost hardwired to believe that God's faithfulness is dependent on our behavior. So today I want to look at the story of Moses in Numbers chapter 20 and talk a little bit about why we know that God is faithful just because God is faithful. Like God is not faithful based on anything you say or do. God is faithful because he is a faithful God, period, point blank. So today we're going to be in Numbers chapter 20, starting in verse one. It says this, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord, why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Okay, so a lot is happening in just those first two paragraphs. So I want to break it down to you guys in four things that are taking place as they are experiencing this. So number one, they have been in the desert for a really long time. Next thing, Moses and Aaron's sister Miriam, she just died. Next thing, they have 
no water. And then the next thing, these people are complaining about Moses to Moses. So they're lost. They just experienced an unexpected loss. They're desperate. And Moses and Aaron are very much out of control. I mean, they are leading these people. They are trying their best to steward well with the little bit God is revealing to them along the way. And if I had to guess, I mean, if I was lost, I had just lost someone, I was desperate and I felt out of control. They've just got to be exhausted. And so Moses and Aaron willingly step into the presence of God. It says this in verse six, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of the meeting, fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. So here's what I love so much about this is these two men have absolutely nothing left. They have no tricks up their sleeve. They're exhausted. They're worn. They're desperate. I mean, everything they could do in their power, they truly, truly can't do. And so they seek God for where do we go from here? But I think this practice is so important because good advice can't withstand the presence of God. And I think so many of us are quick to turn to the people around us for reassurance and mercy, especially when we feel lost and desperate and all of those things. And so we kind of look around for someone that will sulk in that space with us. But here's where we have to be careful is when we're in that place, we're so vulnerable to what people say. And I I believe that Moses and Aaron knew that. I mean, they're surrounded by people that have misunderstood them and are angry at them and upset with them. And it would have been so easy for them to go to the people that are complaining and to say, okay, fine. Like, what do you want us to do? Like, do you want us to do this? But they didn't do that. Instead, they willingly surrendered and sought the Lord. And I wonder how much of our lives would be so different if we even put that one thing into practice. If in those times when we were vulnerable and lonely and um, felt lost or whatever that feeling is, if we just stopped and put ourselves in the presence of God, you know, if we were willing to shut out those distractions, shut out that good advice and, and really abide by that Matthew 6, 33, where it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. What does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God instead of seeking first the opinion or the approval? of those around us. Because here's what happens next. It says in verse seven, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So the instructions from the Lord are pretty clear. Number one, take the staff. Number two, get Aaron. Number three, speak to the rock and water will flow from it. And I can picture God in this circumstance talking to Moses like, Moses, this is all you have to do. These three simple things. That's all you have to do. If you're willing to do that, if you can do that in obedience, I will make everything happen. All I need you to do are those three things. But Moses, 
Moses is human, like all of us. Um, and Moses gets it, you know, most of the way right. So pick up in verse 9. It says, so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. All right, Moses, you're doing good. Pick up verses 10 and 11 here. It says, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed and the community and their livestock drank. There are some problems. That is not what God told Moses to do. So he did, you know, he did grab Aaron. So we got one out of two. So he picks up the staff, he grabs Aaron. But God's instruction to Moses was to speak to the rock It wasn't to hit the rock. It wasn't to strike the rock. It wasn't to use his own power to bring water from the rock. It was simply to speak to the rock. And you know what I find is so interesting here is when Moses goes back with Aaron, not only does he not speak to the rock, but he speaks to the people around the rock. Did you catch that? It says, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock. And I flipped back and forth because I was like, well, maybe, maybe God said, you know, let them know this is what you're about to do. But that wasn't God's instruction to Moses. God's instruction to Moses was take the staff, get Aaron, speak to the rock. I'll do the rest. I'll bring the water. But Moses took the staff, gathered Aaron, spoke to the people and struck the rock. And I think this part of the story specifically really, I know for me, it convicted me of two huge things because number one, like I think we always want to tell people what God is getting ready to do. Did you see that? It says, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Like that was not God's instruction. God did not say, Moses, I want you to tell the people what you are about to do so they will believe you. And there's something so human in us that wants to be validated by those around us. We want to um, show that when God does come through, it's because he told us that this was going to come through. And I am like super convicted of this, even telling you guys this. But this story kind of reminds me that there are some things that God is going to ask you to do that aren't to be broadcasted with the people around you just because of the mere fact that God is faithful because God is faithful. Like you don't need an approval stamp from anybody else. When God tells you something good is going to come from this, that is a promise we can hold on to. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So you can do what God is asking you to do for the mere fact that you have the ability to hold on to the promise that he is working everything together for the good of those that love him. So this is for me as much as it is for you, but there are things that God is going to ask you to do that don't make sense, are seemingly impossible, and also don't require everybody's opinion on. And I think sometimes those are the most powerful miracles God is getting ready to do is the things that he says, can you just go and speak to the rock? Can you just go and take this step of obedience? Not address the crowd, just go take this step of obedience. 
And it's so interesting. The word we caught me in this story quite a bit because Moses says, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And there's so much of a pride component when it comes to operating in the power of God, because it's so easy to think because the power lives inside of you, that it's your power. But I just want to remind you, friend, of Jesus' words in John 15, 5, when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And friend, like if you don't get anything else from this podcast today, I just pray that you grab a hold of that truth, that it is only by God's power inside of you that you can carry forth the things he is asking you to do. And I know this is countercultural to everything you've probably learned in your life because we live in such a, I can do it society. But what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, no, no, you can't because I am the vine and you are the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the pressure is off. The power isn't yours. It's God's living inside of you. And I almost wonder what was happening up in heaven when Moses said, we bring you water out of this rock. Do you think like God was sitting up there like, I mean, I'm about to do it. But um, mm, you know what? I mean, like, we're, I'm still going to be faithful. But hey, Moses, like, you ain't about to do nothing. You cannot bring water from that rock. But I can. So just speak to the rock. But then Moses strikes the rock twice with his staff. And you know what happens? Water still flows from the rock. So before we go any further, though, I want to address one question because if you're anything like I was, you're probably thinking, cool, so I can disobey God and God is still going to come through. And the answer to that question specifically is yes. Your behavior doesn't nullify God's faithfulness. But there's a bigger story that I want to read with you guys because in Romans 3 verses 1 through 8, it talks about this. It says, what advantage then is there being a Jew or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. What they're saying there is, why does it matter what we do in this life? First of all, they've been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every man a liar as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevailed when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as we are being slanderously reported as saying, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is deserved. And that word condemnation is really important at the end because a lot of us get really like tense when we hear the word condemnation. So I want to give you guys um, the definition for condemnation. It's the expression of very strong disapproval. So when you act in disobedience, knowing what God has asked you to do, it's not that he's not going to be faithful 
It's that our understanding of God's favor is magnified through obedience and faith. So we understand God more. We understand God better when we're walking in the ways he's asked us to walk. Romans 3 verse 3, what if some did not have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Thanks for hanging out today, guys. I hope you got something, a lot of things from this episode. And I will see you guys back next week. Make sure you like, come and subscribe. I don't know, whatever you want to do. You should do that. But either way, have a great weekend. And I'll see you guys back next week. Peace out. <laughs>